Welcome along to some bonus content from the Daft About Craft podcast. If you've listened to our most recent episode, you'll have heard during our drink-along section that we were joined by Paul from our sponsor, Hall Beer in Stabridge, and uh, we actually cut that audio down a little bit to uh, fit it all in, so we're going to present to you now the extended full version of our conversation with Paul and some interesting views on the craft beer scene. <laughs> okay, so but you've all been waiting for, it is time for the drink-along on Daft About Craft, brought to you with our sponsor Hall and this time it's a drink along with a real big difference because Hall are actually here Hi Dave Well it's Paul from Hall Hi Paul The the All Yeah (laughs) this is Paul the All from Hall and now if you've never heard the drink along before it's three beers that Hall kindly provide for us and hopefully you bought them you've seen them on our socials and you're going to drink them as we talk about them and just have a talk about life in general and the craft beer scene in general. I suppose we should tell people a bit about Hall, for those who don't know. This is probably your uh, your domain. Yeah, so Hall started with myself and my wife, Hannah, last year in the heart of lockdown, full of midlife crisis, call it what you want, but uh, it was a long time coming, probably three years in the planning, on and off, we think. And we procrastinated and put it off for way too long. And finally, lockdown happened. And then we thought, look, if we don't do it now, we'll never do it. So, you know, what's life going to throw at us? So what else can we lose? Let's let's go all in now and things can only get better. Hopefully, <laughs> he says, with fingers crossed. So, yeah, we, we, we started, I think it was actually, we opened our shop a year ago last weekend. We've been trying to do the maths on that, and I think that's right. Oh, okay. Um, but we, we'd actually been running an online uh, mail order service uh, for, I'll say, six to two, six weeks to two months before that prior, um, and that went pretty well, so we needed the physical premises to go along with that, really. So uh, the shop was the next uh, was the next step in that. So, um, yeah, we opened as a bottle shop during lockdown, and that went pretty well, you know. Uh, people always need beer. Pubs weren't there to, to offer it, so um, we, 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 we had a good start. When we were allowed to, we were able to open our tap room, which was always going to be the plan, so uh, that's kind of gone from strength to strength. Here we are today. And obviously the, the highlight of all this has been sponsoring the Dash Oh, podcast. of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. I can, can imagine. I, I couldn't have imagined this point in our career <laughs> when we first started. <laughs> the great thing for me is that, for those who don't know, Hall is literally a couple of miles down the road from where I live. So now I've got a brilliant bottle shop and tap room right on my doorstep, pretty much. It's fantastic. Six lines with always something different on. And those six lines are going to grow as well soon, Paul. We're about to hit phase two or three or four. I forget how many phases we've done now, but um, we're about to go into the next stage of our life as a, as a as a, certainly as a tap room, but maybe even transition to more of a bar. So um, things are afoot. It's to, very exciting. To redo areas of the, the building and um, up capacity and up the tap lines and, you know, and, and our offerings and different beer styles. So, yeah, we're really excited. A slightly worrying thing for me is that I already spend far too much time and far too much money in there. <laughs> you keep the lights on, Dave. <laughs> right, we've got, so we've got these beers, three drink-alongs. We're going to start off with this raspberry wheat beer from Polly's. Now, I've got to confess, I'm not a, a huge wheat beer fan, um, but Polly's rarely put a foot wrong when they sort of deviate from their classic pale IPA remit, I think. So I'm um, looking forward to this one. We should probably tell... We should probably tell people as well that you guys really know what you're talking about as well when it comes to beer, so you're not... Uh... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> not not De- like us jokers. Depends how many beers we've had and how, how confident we are. But um, yeah, we're um, we, we're doing our um, beer sommelier course, the Cicerone course, as it is. Yeah, we're getting there. We, we, we're doing our due diligence and trying to practice what we preach, really. He was even caught drinking some McEwen's Export the other day. Now I've explained the rationale <laughs> behind that, right? <laughs> Yeah, we did, we did a, a beer tasting last night, actually, um, as part of our course. And one of the really interesting parts of the, the Cicerone course on level two is you get to compare beers which you will not associate with each other. So uh, last night was comparing a Belgian double, or double to a, uh, a Scottish export. And although <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to accuse McEwen's export of being <laughs> anywhere near the quality of Chimay, which, which is the double we had, 
you could definitely see where the the similarities were. The comparison was really, really interesting. And actually, I haven't tried my and export in about 20-odd years, and it was all right. A camera's probably too much for one person, but it was all right. It's weird, isn't it? I would instantly think, no, don't want it. Don't want to drink that. Not interested. You're selling it well there. If I came across McEwen's Export on draft or on cask <laughs> in, a, in a pub in the Highlands in front of a fire, it'd be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that's true. A lot a lot of um, beers are all about the, the the moment, aren't they, and the, uh, the atmosphere and all the rest of it. Talking of which, this is really quite odd because Paul is physically right opposite me now. Dave B has gone. He's skedaddled. He's off on his honeymoon already. He mentioned it earlier. He's gone. So we've got Paul for the drink along here. And uh, Dave B is usually at the other end of the computer screen, but Paul is opposite me. So it's, and this is, uh, uh, we're talking about environments and the right atmosphere. It's quite odd just drinking with somebody <laughs> up here. Yeah, yeah. It's a cracking little setup as well, actually. But um, Dave B is in Scotland, if, unless I've got that very, very wrong. He is in Scotland. Yeah, so there we go. There's a connection. Maybe he's going to reach for the McEwen's while he's there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Dave B, when you listen to this, we know what you've been drinking <laughs> up there. So, what do we think of this then? I quite like this. Yeah. I mean, raspberry wheat beer. It's kind of done exactly what I thought it was going to do. There's a, there's that kind of slight sourness to it. It's kind of billing of icy, but obviously it's it's 5.9, so you can't really accuse it of being a billing of ice, but it's got that kind of sour, obviously raspberry sort of fruited background to it but um, it's nice and tart very bitter as well it's good and, 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 honestly I've never had a bad Polly's beer when they've turned the hand to something outside their usual sort of core pails and IPA so uh, this, this this is good yeah. wheat good beers are something that I would never go to for me being a raspberry wheat beer there's lots of, you know that raspberry's right to the fore isn't it yeah Definitely, it, it, it's the it's the tartness which is nailed there, which is really good. Now, talking about different beers and what have you, you went to um, I went to Brew London. You didn't go to that one. You went to the craft beer festival in London, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Recently, yeah, that was a that was a good time. <laughs> we we hadn't been out proper for a while actually, so uh, yeah, it was chaos. <laughs> and you went you went on the Saturday session, didn't you? The daytime. Yeah, myself and Hannah went with a couple of friends. Um, and I think what our listeners really want to know is how many beers you checked in. I, I can't remember the figure, you, you but know. I, I, I actually can't remember the figure, but it was approaching 40-odd. It was more than 40. Was it really? It was, That's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. But a, but a, but a ridiculous <laughs> person. But but no, it, 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 there, there was... There was <laughs> there's a way. There's, a, there's method behind the. Yeah, uh, it's not as bad as method behind the, the sounds. The casual alcoholism. Yeah. So we we kind of went out of way to try as much as possible. So all four of us would go off and 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 grab what we wanted to try and then share it, which is clearly not COVID. Okay. COVID. <laughs> but COVID you know. It, but uh, hey, we're all in the bubble. Yeah. It was it was a long weekend. It didn't stop on on the Saturday. We went went out on the evening as well. Um, and then carry on and <laughs> down the down the down the Bermondsey Mile. Um, what were your standouts on the Bermondsey Mile? Well, the ones I wanted to go to were closed. So oh, that was a good start. And we we actually started off at the wrong end, so we went all the way down to the Three Hills end and the Colonel end, and they were all closed. <laughs> we should have checked that first. We had to walk another sort of mile and a half, hot and thirsty, and dehydrated for some reason. I don't know why that was from the night before, I think. And then, yeah, when we, we, we got there to the top end where, where Cloudwater sits, we sort of got into it. My, my, my kind of standouts were Anspach and Hobbs Day. I've had some of their stuff before, actually. Um, but they do that kind of mixed firm yeah. um, stuff really, really well. And I had a cu- couple of their sort of mixed firm pals and IPAs. Uh, we all agreed were, were really, really good. And I'm probably going to get fired from the, the beer drinker's Guild or whatever it is, if if there is one, where um it was horses cidery, wow, it was really really good. But again, I think we were saying on um just before this started, it, the the weather and the location always yeah. helps, yeah. and we had some really really good ciders there, which really hit the spot. And again, not a cider connoisseur by any stretch, often avoid cider, but I've had a lot of ciders recently, which I've I'll just go. Why am I drinking more cider? I should be drinking more cider. You know why it is. You know why it is because most of the time when you go to normal pubs, you just offered the standard Thatchers and Strongbow and all the rest of it, aren't you? That's what it is. Yeah, and that's that's a shame. I mean, there's a couple of local pubs certainly around by us who do really good cider offerings, Mm. but yeah, they do kind of veer towards that overcarbonated fizzy stuff, or you get that kind of almost overwhelmingly fruity, scrumpy type thing, which is almost undrinkable for me. Yeah. Right, so we're pretty much through the uh, the polys there, which we both enjoyed. So we're going to go on to our next one now. So if you're drinking along with us, literally, get your can of Fallen Acorn out, your New England IPA, and get ready to pour it. 
I've got high expectations of this one, Paul, because Fallen Acorn, all of a sudden, are a huge, massive upward trajectory. Yep. Uh, yeah, certainly in terms of quality. I don't know if that trajectory is followed with their popularity at all, but um, I just rate this brewery so so highly. Again, they've kind of cut their teeth on all the classic styles you'd expect from a from a, a craft brewery. Their their stouts have been brilliant. Just knockout, knockout. Um, so they're they're big imperial stouts as well. I'm thinking specifically of things like Revenge of the Sith Faced, which you know is a sort of ten and a half, eleven percent, whatever it was. Yeah. Impy. It was just so well balanced and so easy drinking and. It was just just a wonderful experience, and yeah, everything we have by them, everything we have in the shop. It's weird though, because if you rewind twelve months, you didn't hear so much about Falling Acorn at all, did you? No, no they, they haven't got that kind of glitzy PR going for them. That's uh, true. Th- th- that kind of self-imposed demand that the craft beer industry <laughs> dictates must happen every time something interesting comes out, and you know, they, they, and sort of cultivates that, uh, that 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 want and that FOMO. Um, they, they haven't really had that, although you know everything's been reviewed really highly. They just literally go about their work quietly. They remind me of the Colonel yeah. um, in that regards, and I will mention the Colonel a thousand times during this because I'm a bit of a fanboy. But I think the more you drink, the more you experiment with, and the more different types of beer you try, it becomes very apparent that you really appreciate that, that sort of classical style approach that the really good quality breweries do and they don't have to show off about it yeah and it feels like falling icon falls into that so what do we make of this then new england ipa called crystal haze citra simcoe and the slightly divisive cascade in there as well very divisive cascade this has got that kind of it, it's not mixed firm and it's not fermented in any way shape or form outside of the standard fermentation progress but this has that taste a little bit to it now that could be the cascade actually throwing its usual yeah wobbly, <laughs> but I think with this it balances really nicely. It's an IPA class as New England, but again, this is where that sort of divisive blurred line is coming in because I'm getting more of a West Coast push what, on that. If you look at that colour, it is, it is almost West. It's that West Coasty yellow, almost, isn't it? That yellowy orange and and the aroma and the yeah that that, that sort of bitterness forward yeah. approach is yeah definitely there it smells quite west coasty as well actually yeah it it smells really west coasty and that kind of definite this is a new england this is a west coast categorization i think is is dying a death it's a marketing thing let's be honest and things are always going to overlap but uh this is is really really good and again 7.2 dangerous because <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't taste like it doesn't it. taste like 7.2. although there is a little bit of chewiness you get with those kind of really big ipas i'm I'm liking how they hesitate calling it a double ipa Although it's kind of going towards that, um, it's it's another great beer. I was saying to Paul before where we are here, we were sort of in a loft, and you have to climb a, a ladder, obviously, to get up here. But if you're drinking this too fast and too many of them, yeah, you'd be, well, you needed to get to the toilet in a hurry. Yeah, I feel like I've been fritzled here, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I'm going to run off and just shut the hatch in a bit and leave you up here. It's like a like a like a like a boozy Anne Frank. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, just kind of going back to Ford and Acorn, I think they're. I think we were mentioning a while back and, and, and talking outside of this where we were like, you know, these kind of big hype brewers and Ford and Acorn don't fall into no. that kind of hype at all that I've seen anyway. Um, could be wrong. Um, and I think you mentioned Staggeringly Good as a as a as a good example as you know these kind of breweries come out of nowhere explode all over the place and literally in the case of secondly yeah. <laughs> goods wrecker um and they do these fundamentally bonkers beers you know could be good could be bad uh, staggering good to be very very good actually <laughs> in an interesting way and then they kind of just disappear yeah and that hypes over really quickly and yeah uh, there's quite a few brews around on that i don't know if you you, you know of any but um for me it feels like the hype is going to happen around certain beer styles. I get that. But this industry is so damn fickle. It's built on knowing something that other people don't know yeah. for, the, for the most part. And that kind of hype machine kind of funds and sort of puts his tailwind behind new breweries in the best possible way. But when they sort of plateau and then disappear out of that hype, they really struggle to gain, gain yeah. traction. Yeah, And that's a real shame because you miss out on a lot of good quality beers from really great breweries who have been built up too much by this sometimes terrible fanboy industry. Yeah, um, we, but we all, we all kind of 
help that along, don't we? You know, oh, I've got to get this, got to get this. I'm very guilty of this. I'll see something, get it, talk it up. Oh, you're the worst. And I'm, wow, the worst, indeed. <laughs> but then that can't go on forever, can it? That's the thing. It has to stop at some point. And then, like we say, breweries tend to plateau. You don't hear much about them anymore. And people move on to the next brewery of them. Yeah. yeah. There's always a bigger fish. I yeah. mean, it's a shame sometimes because it becomes a bit of a cult of personality yeah. um, to reference a, an amazing funk rock song from the 80s. Is it a good thing? I don't know, but you, 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 know, you typically get, typically get um, brewers who have made a name themselves at bigger breweries who then move on to do their own their own setups, and that, that's great. A lot of hype follows that. Um, yeah. I'm thinking new bonds off the top of my head. Yeah. So, you know... The pedigree of the brewers are set up new bonds is absolutely fantastic. And the beers they created, their core range initially, were all brilliant and very classically styled. But the hype died off almost overnight mm. to the point where I'm really struggling as a shop owner. Uh, we, we're really struggling to, to find what they're doing now. Yeah. Now that could be by design from them. They could be laying low. But, you know, that that it's that, all, that, that all, hype is so fickle. It's all our fault. We just want that next big thing, don't we? Move on. Tick it off. We've had that. Next, please. Well, second Colonel reference incoming, but um, (laughs) if I had my way, there's a joke between myself and Hannah. If I had my way, we'd just have fridges for the Colonel. In fact, I'd rebrand as a Colonel bar (laughs) and just have Colonel because they've nailed their brief. Um, And I really like the sort of low-key approach to it as well. I like the fact that people come in to the shop, don't know anything about them, but go for the colourful can next to it and then sort of dismiss Colonel because they're drab beige paper, nothing, yeah. basically. And you just think, oh, man. <laughs> you missed a good one there. You missed something there, yeah. But When I first got into the scene, I had a bit of Colonel. Yeah, it's good. Let's try the brightly coloured cans instead. They must be, they must be better. But now, going full circle, mm-hmm. I've gone back to Colonel, and I love a Colonel now. Yeah. You appreciate that quality, that consistent quality, don't you? Definitely, definitely. Um Glasshouse is another one you, you've mentioned. We, yeah. um, a lo- local brewery to us, local. It's in Birmingham, so not, not many miles away, but we'll call them local. We'll claim them. Um, yeah, you, you were saying you were thought they were going to be like the next big thing this yeah, year. Yeah, I thought and, they'd and, be massive this year. And they really had a massive tailwind behind them at mm. the back end of last year. And they just they haven't died off because they're still producing beers, but nothing's knocked me out. But I can't remember last year being knocked out by Glasshouse. I think what I really liked about Glasshouse was the quality... Sorry, the consistency of their quality, yeah. should I say. They had a few duff ones, but you know, if you're producing that much beer, yeah. like all, all brews are, you, you're going to have that kind of ratio. But I think Glasshouse kind of hit a... <laughs> use the word plateau already, uh, but they plateaued. It's a great word, isn't it? It's, it's great, but yeah, they plateaued <laughs> in terms of quality. And, and I don't mean in a bad way, but you know, they hit that kind of run. Yeah, That's not exciting enough um, for people. It's not, it's not to say their beers aren't good. They are good. They're very good. They're, they're nearly always good, and they're at a certain level. But people just want that exciting next big thing, don't they? Yeah. Where's Where's their dragon fruit? Exactly. <laughs> milkshake, IPA, and licorice exploding, um, vice beer. You know, yeah. it's it's. They're never going to do that. They've got they've kind of nailed this sort of pale IPA. Yeah. Like most beer, I know it's a, it's a bit boring to say, but you know that's the core of most beer, mm. most breweries, and they've nailed that, and they're knocking out consistent quality, but it's it's just not changing enough. But I guess that's the demand from having to rebrand and rebadge your core recipes as different things each time. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the main problems to me about the industry, really. And I blame Tiny Rebel for that. Oh, the Tiny Rebel hates coming in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> among, amongst others, but um, they're, they're, they're problematic of this desperate need for big investors to have product on the shelves as opposed to quality. Well, you won't have heard this yet, but we've done it before you came in here. The Hypotripe this time is that massive stout, the 18% one from Tiny Rebel. I'll, say, I'll, I'll save, you, save you a session. It's tripe. Well, funny you should say that because that's the conclusion we reached. <laughs> now, I, I mean, again, Tiny Rebel, right? So they've done some brilliant beers, absolute trailblazers back in the day. Their marshmallow porters, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely fantastic. Leave it alone. Stop trying to make it bigger and better. Stop it. Just put it yeah. down. Stop playing. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that. You want to slap the hands. Yeah. Um, put it put away. But, you know, as soon as you get this kind of big bulk investment behind you from people who don't really care about the product, what they really care about is putting bums on seats in terms of product lines in yeah. the supermarkets and keeping people engaged. 
then you you are going to have a I don't know a smoked bacon and strawberry trifle <laughs> double IPA. Um, but I do think that some people are just seduced by these beers and they think, well, look, here's an eighteen percent stout. This is going to be great, and often it isn't. No, I'm struggling to think of a really high ABV. I mean, silly high ABV beer that I've genuinely enjoyed. I think the the, the biggest beer I've had, which I've gone, mm, okay, that's touching the limits, but I still actually really enjoy the beer. Is is I think it was. Oh, Anna will kill me because he's not here. But I, th- I think it was a Keys Stout, and I can't remember what it was called. Okay, yeah, but that was a, that was about thirteen and a half percent. Yeah. And that was borderline strong spirit, um, but it balanced incredibly well in what they were trying to do. And it was a small can, and you didn't see it all over the place as well, marketed as the next big thing. And it was just yeah. a try these, um, and that was great. But yeah, as soon as you go into those big figures, it's just you're just losing what a beer is, which is meant to be balanced, in, yeah, you know, balanced for balanced ingredients, um, producing drinkable, quaffable. All we could get from that eighteen percent stout was just booze. It's booze, B- booze burn. Yeah, you know, pe- people who c- kind of talk with absolute pride and glee about you know when they used to drink the really strong brew dog beers. Um, yeah, yeah, You know, um, oh, I tried that and it, you know what, it was really, really good. He just no, it wasn't. I tried, you know, sink the biz park when that came out. I remember drinking that and going, this is like the worst experience I've ever had in my entire life drinking alcohol. And I used to drink. You know, twenty twenty. Oh, was it as a twenty twenty. You know, did you drink it over the park? Of course. I thought, I thought it's the only that, place that, you can drink it. That was the law. It actually, it wasn't the law; it was the opposite. But <laughs> yeah, it was the, the law of the land. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just gimmicks for the sake of gimmicks. And uh, Brewdog started it. Tidy Rebel have capitalised on it. And, yeah. And uh, shame, shame to say, but I think Northern Monk as well are going down that route fast. Do you mean to say you've not had the latest Ron Seal? I mean, I did want to mention the Ron Seal thing, but just oh, varnish offence and go away. I, you know, I just it's just gimmick, gimmick, gimmicks Gimmicks. and pageantry for the sake of yeah. you know sell, selling units, and it's oh whatever. I think you know when they did the cheese and onion and the prawn cocktail goes as well. <laughs> You're not even making that up. That's actually a thing I they know. did. And I had the goes thinking, mm, I can see how maybe it might just work. It didn't. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. And the cheese and onion is still in the fridge. I, I can't even bring myself to open the thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to imagine the, the, the meetings I had when the brewers were running. I go, right, got it. This is what's happening. We're basing it on, you know, Chris from our youths. <laughs> and, okay, yeah, okay, ready salted maybe for the gozer. Oh, no, 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 no. Prawn cocktail, my friend, because shellfish and beer. Mind you, stout and, um, stouts and oysters. Why has no one done that yet? Put it out there. Somebody will do it. Yep, there we go. There we go, Northern Monk. <laughs> Give that a go. There you go. You can sack your marketer now. <laughs> well, we've pretty much demolished that one, the, uh, the New England, so we should move on to our third one. So grab your can of... Brick Breweries Two Ways, if you've uh, if you've got it there, which is a collab with Pastore from Cambridgeshire. Massive fan of Pastore. They've got high hopes for this one. Collab with Brick, as you're saying. Brick are one of those breweries that don't want to reinvent the wheel. If anything, they want to regress. <laughs> um, and I don't want to mention Colonel, but... Um, the, 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 oh, the, you do. You the, really do. I really do. But the parallels are there. Um, they, they, they do that sort of classical brewing... Actually, their can art isn't particularly anything to see coming no. about. Their branding isn't. Um, they, they they call their beers really basic things yeah. like bog standard beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I exaggerate, but you know what I mean. And and yet through all of that, they've made a name for themselves who really good quality standardised brewing. And and I think that, that's what we were talking about earlier. You know, in in terms of sometimes you don't need the flash. No, you, you just need the. The, the chance and the time to do something good. And have I imagined it, or are Brick actually in Marks and Spencers? I think, I'm not sure, I don't think so. I could be wrong about that. Don't know. I have a vague idea maybe they are. We were talking about this off-air a little bit, because uh, we were talking about how Polly's slipped into Marks and Spencers, and um, it's almost under the radar, but you have a policy at Hall where you won't stock some of these big players that are in supermarkets, don't you? Yeah, obviously the brick thing has completely decimated that. But no, no um, oh, I could be wrong. Don't take that as gospel. I'm no, probably no, no. Wrong. It's it, it it's it's complicated. Yeah. So the, the 
the reality was when we started, we went all righteous and said, if you can get breweries, certain breweries in supermarkets, then we wouldn't be stocking it. However, that line is becoming increasingly blurred. Yeah. Um, Polly's been a really good example of that. So Polly's a easily one of our sort of most popular breweries. Everyone everyone loves Polly's. Polly's came out a while back with their policies uh, about selling into market dispensers. Um, and the reason we decided to carry on selling Polly's, even though that kind of went, went against our core principles, is they said they were only going to do certain lines at a certain quantity that wouldn't be available to independent beer shops. And in fact, the independent beer shops would have a vote on if they could do that. And they were really transparent in their PR. Right. And I we appreciated that. And that's all I think we as small independent retailers want to know is have the breweries considered the people who help them get to where they get, are. Yeah, exactly. And they have. And they've so far they've stayed, they've stayed true to their promises. And that's good. Um, same with Cloudwater to a degree. Um, Cloudwater only agreed to put specific lines into the supermarket, which were maybe they were based on other recipes already got, but they're certainly branded to be um, uh, supermarket ones, and they wouldn't distribute their more, I guess, unique stuff or their sort of smaller batch stuff to supermarkets only to independents. I guess that's what we want. That's that's all we want is the, the kind of nod that we've been considered and thought about. At the end of the day, I do not buy this nonsense argument that people are going to go to Tesco and go, hey, I've just bought this great beer from Cloudwater. I'm now going to go to the shop just down the road and spend you know, £8 on every can I can get so I can really soak up what they really have to offer. It's not going to happen. It's nonsense. Well, and that uh, has never, ever happened. Maybe not immediately, but maybe over a period of time it might happen. We were talking, you know, I I sort of first got into it by buying your vocations in Tesco's, and now I don't bat an eye that it's spending 15 quid on a can of whatever, you know. Sure enough, and I think time will tell, but I'm... I'm <laughs> And there is always going to be a small percentage of people, and I think it will be a small percentage of people that will happen to, and that's mm. great. If that's a weirdo, that's, that's yeah. a win. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, weirdos <laughs> like 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 you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really can't see the data is not there at the moment um, to see if there's any long long term positive effects on <laughs> the smaller retail <laughs> by enforcing. Um, or propping up the big supermarkets. I know they need their help against us. I mean, man, we are demolishing them. But but this is why you won't find Tiny Rebel on your shelves and Vocation on your shelves. Yes, yes. Um, they're easy targets. I mean, we, we know. I mean, as soon as you get a big investment behind you, you, you know, you're no longer the... the Oh, I don't know. I'm an old punk, you know. I, 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 I just love, I just love the uh, the notion of the, the the craft artisan person, whichever walk of life they are, you know, coming coming up good and you know taking down the the the, the establishment. Life's not like that, you know. But um, it's really easy to target Brewdog and Tony Rebel and go, yeah. not in my shop, um, because they've done themselves a disservice, not only in their brewing but also in their in their business lives. And but you know, you're holding firm on your what you believe is the right way to do things. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, this industry is still new. It's been going for a, a long time, but it's still new industry. Everyone's still finding their feet. You know, the relationship between brewers and um, independent bottle shops is symbiotic. You know, the the government doesn't even register or recognise bottle shops as bars. You know, it, they, we slipped through the cracks when the, the COVID grants were happening. Mm. It's like, but there's, there's a relationship between retailer and producer there. And it's a brilliant one for the most part. And it's fantastic. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get in, into this industry, the love of their product and their craft. And... You know, we wanted to be part of that in some small way to help present that to the world. But we we can't say where this is going to go. You know, the the, the Polly's thing is going to be really interesting to watch. The Cloud Water thing is definitely going to be interesting to watch because they've got some clout now, Cloud Water. But they, you know, the brew, the big supermarkets are going after small breweries now, and they're trying to get them on board. Will there be a defiance? Will there be a pushback? Yep. Will there be some kind of outcry just to support the independents? God, we hope so. But let's see. But I think there's always going to be a space for us because brewers are coming through all the time. Mm. More and more, aren't they? More, more and more. So. so do you think there's still a long way 
Now, do you think there's still a lot of expansion to come in the craft scene? Yes. It, again, it's, it's a strange thing now because we, we're in this world of... We have been for a while, actually. The, the world of YouTube, for example, and social media where not only can a brewery market themselves well, but also wannabe brewers can homebrew to a really high standard. Yeah, really good. Um, not not just with the, the equipment that's available, but also the, the breadth of knowledge that's available. We had a guy um, come into our shop today who's one of our semi-regular customers, and um, he was talking about his home brew and how he basically contacted um, Wild Beer and he con- contacted no- um, uh, Nothing Bound in Beaudley, mm-hmm. again, one of our sort of semi-local brewers, mm-hmm. and he said, can I have your recipes to my favourite beers? And they said, yeah. Really? Wow. And they <laughs> gave it him. And in fact, Wild Beer, he was saying, he said, come down to the brewery. And I'll show you how we make it, and he did. And it's, the the outcome of that is he's he's done that with as many brews as he, as, he, as he can. Wow! And he's had a pretty good hit rate uh, with the response, and he's he's now mimicking his his favourite brews. And he thinks so. It, he's going to be working for one of those very soon. Well, he he thinks it's pretty good, um, and he's going to bring some in for me when it's done. In, hopefully, just to try because I was really really keen to see if they do compare in any way, shape, or form. But he, he, you know, just the fact that there's this knowledge sharing in the industry. It's already it's like grassroots football, you know. It's the mm. people who are kind of get get into the the higher points and the, the, they're 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 hitting the peak of their skill sets. They're passing on their knowledge immediately. That's brilliant. What an industry! I can't think of many places or industries or you know communities where that's so passionate and so freely giving and it's it's knowledge share. So that's really exciting. So expansion is happening regardless. If it's going to be the point, so there's there's just breweries coming up below the the, the ones that get bigger and bigger, and they they dissipate into the ether with selling out to bigger breweries. Probably, I don't know. Maybe it's just going to be just repeating itself. Yeah, maybe. Ad infinitum. I don't know, but uh, for now, it just feels really vibrant. One of the most exciting things on the podcast that we do is talk to people, small breweries who are still getting out there. And we've come across some brilliant breweries and some amazing beers we'd never have found if we weren't searching these people out. Mm-hmm. But they're sort of lying under the, under the in the depths of uh, of the scene, you know, and they haven't come through yet. But there's some brilliant breweries out there. I mean, but look look what it takes to become a a, a, a well renowned brewer now. Some level of half decent equipment doesn't have yep. to be very good. Yeah, and just the willingness to go through a lot of. Hours, burn through yeah. a lot of time and hours and experimentation um, just to, to produce something that you believe people enjoy drinking. And if you look at Elusive, he's got a really great name in the industry now, but he's still literally one man in a shed. And it just happens that shed is in a prominent location so people walk past and buy his stuff, but it, that, that's all he is, and it's just him doing everything. You yeah. know? And a lot of these breweries are like that. He's literally yeah. one man. Yeah. And Without that, his dog. That's what it is. I mean, so, you know, the, the scalability of the industry is a re- really strange one because you can go from, I guess, small batch brewery with one or two people running the whole show and getting your products into the right independent bottle shops and getting the, a buzz. And then, But the next step up seems to be 80 people working there and then you're selling to Tesco. Yeah. It, 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 there's a, a kind of weird middle ground which are only populated by... The polys of the world and, and 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 people like that, and that's the tipping point. It seems at this point, so it'd be good to see what the scalability of this industry is, and if we can actually get to a point where you go, okay, we're a twenty-man brewery, we do everything in house, our marketing, our PR, our finance, we're self-funded, and we're able to sort of jump between the the independent world and the the the, 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 the sort of more commercial world. We don't, just don't know because that. It seems like it's happening now, but I don't know. What I find interesting, I, I spend a lot of time in your shop, far too much time. If you look at the sort of people who come in, there's a massive mix of people who come through that door. Not just the craft nerds like me, but people just going out for a drink. They will stop by, they will come in. They might not know much about craft beer, but they'll come in and, and you'll talk to them and explain it to them. And people come in and have a look at the fridge. They might not know much, but they're not... People seem to be less intimidated by the scene than maybe they were a year or so ago. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, and geography is going to be important. I mean, we're in a a pretty uh, my hometown, by the way. So I'm, I'm allowed to say this. We're in a pretty provincial <laughs> little backwater town in, in the black country. Um, 
with you know a history of classic cask brewing mm-hmm. which permeates it um and what you get then is obviously the the craft beer scene people who seek stuff out and we've got a really good uh, really good uh, crowd that come in on a regular basis including yourself dave and what you also have then is the people who walk past who walk in and go right i was brought up on banks's i drink bathams <laughs> cast beer and i think if it's not warm it's not good you know that kind of thing um what what am i drinking yeah what have you got so um typically what i say is colonel yeah <laughs> yeah that, four. That, that's the that's the fourth one so i think you get a bonus drink if you get to five uh, yep and um what what you what you start realizing is you need to break people's mentality of what a beer is because yeah so i you know i'm 44 years old i was brought up in this kind of black country-esque rationale that um you know cast beer is beer anything else is just intimidation it's imitation should i say lager is terrible blah 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 you know all all the old 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 fart kind of mentality around, around beer but the the reality is, it's just breaking that misconception mm. of things, you know. And at the end of the day, here's four ingredients, you know. It's it's just what you do and combine, you do with those to combine them and, and prepare them in advance that gives, gives the beer you want. So typically, you can find that kind of breakthrough brewery or that breakthrough style which is going to connect with people, be it the bitterness of you know classic best bitter, or be it through the maltiness of of um of sort of that sort of more malt forward mild for example you know that people are brought up on and that's once you hit that and you get people involved that's great and th- th- i think the reason tap rooms are so important is because they don't give you the ability to walk in into your comfort zone you're gonna have to drink something that you don't perhaps recognize or yeah. you wouldn't actually go for and i think that's why most tap rooms will offer you know not pints but maybe thirds halves yeah. two-thirds and that's that's really exciting, and I think it is generating a buzz and it is getting people on board. Uh, certainly in our little town, people who wouldn't you would never have thought would come back a second time, come back yeah every other day. So that must be really done. satisfying to see from your point of view. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know that's a testament to the the quality of the produce that's out there. You know the, this amazing stuff the brewers are doing. The kernel, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of kernel, um, but. <laughs> That's fine. But I just drink kernel, everyone. I just just wrap it all up. It's, it's all kernel from now. Now, um, but it, it it's I, I think it's there's a seed change in in the world when it comes to this. I mean, America have been a way in advance of us for a long time, regardless of what people who come in to our shop who drink Caspia say. <laughs> America are a decade beyond where where the UK was. That that gap is closing rapidly. But the stuff that we're getting, just not just locally, but you know, around the region from Europe as well, is just outstandingly good. And the outstanding part of it is it's small brewers doing this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 remarkable. And I'm so proud to be part of this um, this well, a tiny little cog in this, this big machine. The passion really comes across. It's great to to see it. Oh, come on, in the end day, it's just it's beer. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not changing the world, but what, no, what, what, what we're doing is feeding feeding the soul a little bit. And it, absolutely, you know, when you sit there and drink with a bunch of people who you don't know, like you know, we don't know each other brilliantly well. We've got to know each other quite well over the past yep. past sort of six months or so. Um, but you know, we bond a lot over our likes and dislikes and our, yeah. <laughs> our contrary <laughs> approaches to various different things. But when you're on, I know on a zoom call doing beer tasting with people you've never met mm. um or you're you know just embracing those discussions about brewing and what the future of brewing is it it becomes really apparent from the, the sort of lowest level up to the, the highest level of marketing that everyone's kind of just really into it mm. and it's it's so it's soul food. It really is. And I love it. And long may this continue. And I, I think it will. I think it's a really yeah. bright future. Like you say, you know, America, America, you look at the scene in America and it's sort of far advanced from where we are, which gives you hope that there's still a lot of expansion for the craft scene in this country. And there's, there's a lot of problems. Let's talk about really basic things which the UK don't do very well, which is storage. If you buy a beer from wholesalers and it comes to you... That's been in a van. 
typically you know there's, there's it's interesting because no, i was no cool i was storage. i was in your shop the other day when you got a delivery and uh, the guy turns up in his van and you sort of think well you know yeah how long has that? i don't know if it was a refrigerated van and maybe it was it was, it was jolly it, good beer so it i was. think it was actually yep. that may not always be the case how do you, you don't know what path that's taken to get to you as far as i'm aware jolly good beer are the only wholesaler in the country okay doing end-to-end cold storage and Absolutely big up to Ivan. I just said big up. I'm 44. Jesus, that's embarrassing. You got to you got to get down with the kids. It's, you get it's all right. It's all right. Massive, massive props to Ivan, the the team at Jolly Good Beer. They they've invested everything. I think their sanity to a point as well um, of embracing the American cold storage uh, culture, which is basically when it leaves a brewery, it's never not refrigerated yeah. until it hits your fridges, and you must have fridges. Um, and you do plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really important. Um, craft beer is not built <laughs> to not be in fridges. Unless it's a stout. Unless it's certain kinds of beer. But pails, IPAs, lagers, yep. things like that. But sours, you know, they they rapidly deteriorate if you don't refrigerate them. So as soon as you put them in a, a van <laughs> on a hot day coming from the brewery, <laughs> and by the time it hits you, it's basically not live the life the brewery intended. Yeah. In America, that's unheard of. Mm. In the if you try to do that in America, that you'd be struck off. You wouldn't be allowed to sell beer. And shot. Like that. But this is just par for the course. And when I say we're a decade behind, that's why the infrastructure is not there. The mentality of um, the recycling process that goes on around kegs and cans and things like that is not there like it is in America. But the cold storage thing in particular is. I just, <sighs> I'm not convinced it's going to be there for many, many, many years, to be honest with you. And that, that's that's a little bit upsetting, I think, because it, you know, it doesn't give retailers, I guess, the tool kit they need to present mm-hmm. the produce mm-hmm. at the best possible um, uh, light, in the best possible light that it yeah. could be sold at and um, it might not be noticeable to a lot of people but believe me when it's not no- when it is noticeable it's noticeable mm. and that deterioration happens really really fast and that's a shame and but yeah. if anybody's buying beers from you rest assured that they're being uh, tip top tip top shape we, we try and we, we use the wholesalers I said the one wholesaler who does do that and we, we talk to our wholesalers about trying to make that happen mm. um, in terms of refrigeration and they want to make it happen but there's no support from the government. There's yeah. there's no kind of desire outside of, I guess, the classic pub scene to create an infrastructure, a logistical supply chain that 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 helps the beer. It's almost like the government regard the whole craft scene as um, like a little cottage industry, almost. Yeah, well, you know, you're not you're not going to get fallen acorn in cloisters, <laughs> but it it, it it they they simply don't care. But I think one of the if I look into the future with sort of rose-tinted spectacles, one of the benefits of setting it to big supermarkets is the clout that these may have in terms of representing a brewer. Yeah. So, you know, if, if in, in the future they, you know, we get some, you know, well, fingers crossed, some kind of empathy or sympathy <laughs> with small artisanal brew, brew, brewers or producers <laughs> that they go, okay, we need to present beer in a better light. Hey, government, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to, you know, support us anyway? Great. Will that happen? Probably not. Let's be no. honest. But it, it, it's it's a it's a nice it's a nice uh, it's a nice dream to have. Go back to the original point, which I've lost track of. We're waffling a little bit, but it's I think the the the, the symbiotic relationship between breweries and independent bottle shops and tap rooms and things of that ilk is a relationship I th- which I believe is going to be pretty concrete going forward. I hope so, um, and I, I, I can see that strengthening. Massively. We should pass comments on this beer, which I don't think we've done yet. Oh, yeah. We forgot, thing, about, we forgot about that, didn't we? I'll tell you what, I think this is my favourite of the three beers we've drunk tonight. I agree. This so, is excellent. It really is. What I get, what I got with this was um, every facial expression and emotion I always go through when I have a sour <laughs> IPA, which is despondency, pain, <laughs> surprise... Wistful, wistful looking into the future, and then um, <laughs> it, it settles down as just a wonderful, wonderful drink. And so we should, we should, for those who aren't drinking it with us, we should say there's yuzu and gooseberry in this sour IPA. And uh, 
I don't know, I said to you before, you know, before I got involved in the craft scene, I didn't know what Yuzu was. Does anybody know what Yuzu is? Who isn't in the craft scene? Um, I don't think so. I think she did The Early Ways Up in about 1986. <laughs> uh, uh, that was 1988, actually, no? No, it was Yaz. I'm talking about Yuzu. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good song, that. It, 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 it's Posh Lime. It's Waitrose Lime. Waitrose Lime. But th- <laughs> this is very nice. I could these. I don't drink many beers twice, but I could drink this again. Yeah, and and, and for me, this is kind of that. I, I I really adore sour IPAs. The the connection I think we mentioned earlier between you know different types of beer. I mean, mm-hmm. but for me, lambics and gooses and things like that are just just the. the Best thing in the yeah. world, you know, and I think that's just the evolution of a, a beer drinker. You know, you ultimately end up. <laughs> I think when you start beer drinking, you go right, pales, IPAs, hoppy the better, hoppy the better, hoppy the better. I'll oh, screw it, yeah. and then you go back to lager. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you, you're kind of embracing the, the the more classical Belgian approaches and lambics and gooses and that kind of wild fermentation stuff is just for me the most interesting thing and st- stuff I enjoy the most when I open that up. Same with Hannah when we, we, we crack open a bottle of something interesting. But And this has got that, that reminiscence of that kind of thing. It, yeah. It's not by any stretch the same style, but it's got all that... There's a lot going on here, isn't there? It's all that clear, that, that, that wild fermentation or that mixed fermentation in this case, it, um, sort of approach to it. And you can taste the yuzu. Yeah. Posh oh, lime, definitely. Definitely posh lime. Um, and it keeps you going back for more because it does. Yeah. it's got that sort of bittery sourness and tartness that you kind of just want to extinguish in a bit more liquid. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have a you bit more back. beer yeah. and you're just going, yeah, this is working really well. So, And while we've been chatting, we've both been drinking away here. We haven't, we've, neither of us have got a great deal left. We've been going, like you just said, going back for more and more. And uh, yeah, that's very good. Excellent beer. Really, really impressive. I wonder whose influence this is. Is it Brick or is it Pastore? Do you think? It's Pastore all over. I think so. I mean, it's... I don't know if they've got a signature taste. I think it's quite hard to be signature when you you, you, you mix firming and ball firming. But if someone said to me, you're drinking a Pastore, I'd go, yeah, I have no problem believing that. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll get that with pretty much everything they do, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I think Pastore, maybe not... I don't know if they're the forefront. That's up for debate. But they're definitely the kind of... Up there with that kind of leading lights of fermentation breweries. Yeah. Wild fermentation breweries that's really smashing it out of the park at the moment. Yeah. I, f- I found them in the first lockdown, put an order in, and I was blown away by what what I got back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just shouting out to some of the breweries like that. Obviously, there's Yonder as well doing yeah. good stuff. Uh, Mills Brewing, who, you know, ping pong between almost lambic, Lambic-esque beers and cider. Um, you know, uh, simple things, fermentation. Uh, I'm, I'm missing loads on the on the spot, but there's just some amazing, amazing wall fermentation breweries knocking around at the moment. I should actually give a shout out at this point. You gave a big up to. I'm going to give a shout out to Yonder for, blah, the, blah. for their uh, cherry pie. Have you had that? Yeah. Now, a recurring theme on this podcast is that nobody can do a cherry bakewell beer. Uh-huh. That is cherry bakewell in a can. Yeah, but they don't even call it cherry bakewell. It's just cherry pie. But That's right. they chickened out. They chickened out, but God, they nailed it. It was spot on. Really yeah. good. They also had their blueberry pie. The blueberry the one. Yeah. I, it, yeah, it's all right. It wasn't quite as good as the cherry one. I didn't think. But it's, well, I didn't pay for it, so it was even better for me. Oh. So it was great. But. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's going to be taste, isn't it? But the, if you if you can make good quality beers um, all the time through wild ingredients through through a process of brewing which is famously difficult to mm. to keep um, I guess quantitative and you know keep that quality involved in then you're doing something right and. I think it, mu- it must be the the, the kind of cider heritage in in the UK because that's that's transferred really nicely into okay. the, the wild fermentation brewing approach and some amazing people knocking stuff out at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that's a really exciting. When, when you mentioned what's you know the craft beer scene, you know where, where's it going and what's the future like? I think I'm hoping, fingers crossed, people embrace that side of things. That that old fashioned medieval even 
approach to brewing that's been really sort of contained and, and become a real kind of I think the Americans can't do it, let's put it that way. So I think that's something the UK have got on the Americans. Do you think that in, you know, five or ten years' time the traditional British pub will end up dying out because places like your bar have taken over? I hope not. You live a British you, you live awful a, man. Why, why well, would you say that? But I would much rather come to your place than a traditional British pub. God, I hope not. Um, no, 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 we want you in our place. I've just got to. But you love a traditional pub, don't you? I know that. Especially no. if they've got cause light on, you love a bit of cause lighting. Look, I will go into a late night karaoke bar <laughs> and drink cause light. <laughs> I'm not a snob, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you, you've got to remember in the eighties that you know keg beer became a thing. Crap, mass produced lager. Mac, uh, produced lager nearly killed the cask industry. Casket is a tradition. It's a skill. It, again, it, it, it's artisanal brewing, even though it's really, really obviously popular in the UK and, and the actual forefront of what we consider a pub. But if that, we, if we lost that because of young upstarts coming in with it, young upstarts like stupid you, stupid bloody. <laughs> Keg beer. I, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be absolutely good. So you think I mean, there's a place for both? There's there's a place in my heart, a place in my stomach, and there's definitely a place in the world for it. Oh, we've polished that off fairly quickly while chatting away. Hope you enjoyed it, and um, I reckon that is just that's about it, really. I think I think we're uh, I think we're there. Enjoyed that. Thank you, Dave. Did you enjoy that? Wasn't too traumatic for you? Drinking in a loft with a bearded man. It's, it's my dream. <laughs> We make dreams come true here at Daft Craft. So hopefully you've been drinking along with us. And if uh, if you haven't, then there's no excuse. You should do it next time. Watch our social media. Watch Instagram and you'll see us post three more beers in a few weeks' time. Get those from hall-beer.com. Put in the code DAFTHALL. Get 15% off. And then you can drink them as we're drinking them, and we can compare notes. Tell us what you think on Instagram, and we'll uh, maybe relay some of your comments on the next episode. And if you're ever in Starbridge, you're in the West Midlands, get yourself down to Hall Beer Shop. And Paul or Hannah will be there to uh, service your every need. Every need.